you found a message that was delivered at Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We are praying the time you invest hearing God's Word encourages you in your walk with Jesus and inspires you to share Him with others. If you want to learn more about us or send us a prayer request, visit our website, livingstreamscc.org. Thank you for listening. You take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 25, and we're going to look at verses 14 to 30. We're sitting again at the feet of Jesus today to hear another story about his kingdom, what it's like, the parable of the talents. This is another one of those easy-to-understand stories that helps us zoom out on life and give us big-picture perspectives about how it's going to go when it's all said and done. So let's go ahead and read that, verses 14 to 30. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had made... He who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said, said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, You knew that I I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scatter no seed? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he he will have an abundance. But But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning, this story of Jesus to tell us what the kingdom of God is like. And that was... I was meditating on it this morning. I remember those words that Peter wrote about how we we hold things that angels long to look into. 
so what a, what a privilege it is for me to stand in this place to talk about such important things from your word. And I praise you today, Lord, for your faithfulness, for prayer warriors, for healing, for strength, for your Holy Spirit. We need him. We need him right here, right now. Open our eyes and ears. Fill the soil of our hearts. Make it good soil for the word. So Lord, we're, we're here setting aside our distractions and lives for a moment. We've just prayed and set all that in your lap. Soaking in your peace. But we want you to get, we want you, Lord, to disturb our peace. That's what we need. I pray the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer, in Jesus' name, pray. Amen. So full disclosure, last week was a horrible week. Lori and I came down with food poisoning. So we were, uh, what that means is that we were in bed all of Wednesday and all of Thursday in bed or on the couch, but never far from the bathroom. Um, so we had no energy. We had, had no strength, no, no good sleep, didn't eat hardly anything, no relief from body aches, fever, cold chills. All of that was all there. I would say it was not a near-death experience, but it had to be a near-to-near-death experience. The kind, you know, that makes your life flash before your eyes. You, you know, take stock of what's important. Get new perspectives on living. So, you know, I thought today's parable can have that kind of impact on us without the near-to-near-death experience. It's a story that should have us step back and take a look at our tombstone. You know, that, that, that tombstone that we don't like to think about. As our name there, as our birth date there, a dash, and then a blank space for the death date. We had no, no say over the birth date. We have no say over the death date. But we do have an impact on the dash, what goes on right there. So this parable is about the talents, and it's meant to flash your life before your eyes in hopes of gaining some new perspectives on living. So, in verses 14 to 15, you get the setup for the story. Jesus begins by saying that this is another picture of what the kingdom of God will be like. And he does that by using the words, for it is like. That's how he started there. For it is like. And that's very important because it means that this story should not be plucked out of Scripture and read by itself. You have to find out what the it is. If you pull it out of Scripture and read it by itself, you don't know what the it is. This could be a, a book on or a, a story on, on success for living. But it's not. You 
put it in there and you look at what came before to find out what the it is, and that was a parable about ten virgins being ready for the bridegroom to come, for believers or for people to be ready for Jesus to come back. And so he started that parable with, for this, for this is what the kingdom of God is like. And so that's how we know what the it is. And that's very important. It's information from the previous story that we need to understand how to understand this story. So we need to hold on to that, and we're going to come back to it. All right, hold, hold on to that. So the man in this story is the owner of property, and he's going to go away on a long journey, and he decides to give some of his property to his servants. And so talent, the talent is what he gives them. Now, a talent is a weight of in their monetary system, and so it means that this this owner is giving his servant some money uh, to put to use uh, while he is gone. And so when he gives it to them, there's this expectation that when he comes back, they will have increased the property, they, that he will have more cash by using the cash that he gave them. So we can understand in this story that the man represents God, and the, and the servants are people, okay? So that, those are... are not too hard to figure out. But what should the talent represent? That's a, that's a really good question, really important question. I've seen different interpretations of this parable where, where some are saying, you know, it's actual money, you know, and, or, or some are saying it's actual talent, you know, that God, that God gives us. But since we're trying to see the big picture on, on life here, we, we, we want to say that the talents that God gives us is the dash, the dash on the tombstone, the life that God has given you, the time you have on earth, the resources that you have, the opportunities that you have, all of that is wrapped up in the talent. God is the owner of life. That means God is the owner of you. You belong to him whether you believe in him or not. He is the true life giver. He, he has given us this very day. So God, um, so the man in the story had a way to distribute uh, talent. You know, he did it according to the ability of the servant to use the talent. So how should we think about that? Well, it sort of depends on your goal, you know. So the goal of the master was to increase his property. So he gave the talents according to their ability to increase property. As, I mean, if he would have given... Uh, if he would have given one talent to the guy who could do something with five, who had the ability to really make it go, you know, there would have been some disgrace there. There would have been some belittling, and it would have led to some disrespect, and it wouldn't have worked out well. If he would have given five talents to the one who had the ability to only handle one, that guy would have been crippled, crippled under pressure to do something with it, to not make a mistake. So neither of those things would have been good in how he distributed the talents. God is interested in increase, but not of property. He owns it all. <laughs> it's all his. So he's not really interested in increasing property. What is he interested in increasing? His glory. His glory. And since we are made in the Father's image, you know, the crowning of his creation... And his creation, you know, it speaks out the glory of God night after night, right? It, it, it declares the glory of God to everyone. We are the crowning of his creation. We have the greatest capacity to declare God's glory. And so he gives us opportunities to do that. 
depending on our ability. He brings these things to us. And so there, that there is the setup for the story. What does your setup look like? How has God set you up with life? You have the greatest capacity of all his, of all of creation to declare the glory of God with your life. Do you have any abilities to do so? Now you might, actually you probably have more than you think <laughs> since God uses the foolish and the weak things of the world to get his truth across to the strong and to the wise. I do not care who you are. I do not care, you know, what your life looks like, how much money you have, where you live, what you drive, what your social media looks like. I do not care. You are able to glorify God with your life. It has been given to you for that very purpose. He's given you abilities to do that. What does your setup look like? In verses 16 to 18, we come to the step up for the servants. Each of the three took what the master gave them and they did something with it. The first one, who got five talents, he stepped up with trade and he made five more. The second one also stepped it up. He was able to double his as well. And the third one, instead of stepping up, he stepped back and he went and dug a hole in the ground and he hid that money to keep it safe. So that is how each one of the servants decided to steward the gift that the master had given them while he was gone. What we need to realize is that we are living in the time of the step up right now. I mean, if there's no death date on your tombstone, the dash is still in progress. This is the time of the step up. How are you doing at stewarding the gift of life that God has given you? And not just today, but up to this point. Have you stepped up with what God has given you to increase his glory in all the earth? Now, that's a difficult question to answer, so we've got to put some flesh on the bones of it. So what does that really kind of mean? If our life is here to glorify God, then the stepping up is, is being a good steward of what he's given us. And so that's going to mean that things are increasing in, in our life that bring glory to God. So the knowledge of God would be increasing in our life and in the lives of others because we are sharing it. Uh, it means that our love for God and for others would be going up in, in our life. And, and to those around us, they understand it, they see it. It means our faith would be stepping up. It means hope would be on the rise. All of Jesus' promises are yes and amen we should have tons of hope no matter what life looks like because of all of God's promises. Light should be on the increase in our life. Jesus said that, right? Shine your light before others so they may see your good deeds and then what? Turn and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Light should be on the increase. Our worship should be on the increase. You know, and when I say that, I mean the, oper or the uh, times that we are Offering our bodies as living sacrifices to God, holy and pleasing to Him. This is your spiritual act of worship. That ought to be on the increase. Service should be on the increase in our life as we say yes to help others in Jesus' name. The proclamation of the gospel steps up good 
steps up. Life steps up. We are life givers. It's flowing out of us to other people. John 15, 8, For this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. That's why we're here. To increase the glory of God in all the earth. How's the stepping up going? How's the stepping up going? God has given us this life. It has a purpose to increase that glory. The faith, the hope, the love on the rise. His name, the gospel on the rise. Light, good, peace, gratitude, all on the rise. How is life going producing those kinds of things? Now, one of the stumbling blocks that we run into that keeps us from doing this um, would be uh, that we look out across the Christian landscape of other believers and we see them stepping up and we think to ourselves, man, they are really killing it. And so when we do that, when we see that, uh, one of two things happens, or one of two things can happen. We wilt or we work. So we see people and they're serving God and they're just, you know, like we'd say, rock stars, they're world changers, you know, like we tell our kids, change the world for Jesus. And we go, man, I'm, I'll never do anything like that. I'm just me. And so we wilt and we just step back. I'm telling you, that is the impact of social media. Or we work. And we work hard to outdo what someone else is doing. And when we do that, to try to get that attention, then it's not about God's glory anymore. It's about ours. So both reactions won't lead to an increase of the glory of God. God doesn't call us to compare our abilities and our fruits with other people. All he wants us to do is take what we've been given from him. And use it to increase his glory in the life that he has given in us and in the people around us. The late Dawson Troutman, he was the founder of the Navigators, a discipleship ministry. It's had a huge impact for the church. He made a visit to Taiwan to encourage and train local Christians there. And uh, at one point, they hiked with, he hiked with a Taiwanese pastor back to a village in the mountains. And, and the trails were really wet and, and really muddy, and so their shoes got all caked with mud. Um, and so sometime later, years after the trip, years after Dawson had passed away, this Taiwanese past, pastor, he was asked, hey, what do you re remember about Mr. Troutman? And with, without hesitation, he immediately said, he cleaned my shoes. He cleaned my shoes. It wasn't that the teaching that he got when, from the time that, or the encouragement to keep on going in the ministry that he got from Mr. Troutman. It was the fact he remembered this simple, humble act of love that this famous American discipleship you know, guru got up early in the morning before he did to clean, his, clean the mud off of his shoes. That is increasing the glory of God. So this right now is the time that God has given us for stepping up in our life. What have we been given? What we have been given is meant to be given away. 
God's not going to expect you to do what you see other people doing. Don't try to do what they're doing. Do what he's given you to do, where he's given you to do it. He'll give you unique opportunities. He will match them up just for you where your abilities are at today. You can grow in your abilities, and you will as you, as you get out there and do stuff. So don't think that what you have to do has to be glamorous to be glorious. Okay, don't think that it has to be seen by men to be seen by God. Don't think that it has to make a splash on social media to make a splash in heaven. Now it's going to take effort. It's going to take energy. It's going to take time. It take, it'll take creativity. It'll take money. It'll take a lot of things. Everything we have, all those resources available for one thing, to increase the glory of God in all the earth. And it'll feel risky. It'll be custom made for you, but you're stepping out in faith. It'll take a step out in faith to bring Jesus up with somebody at work. It will. Every time, I don't care how many times you do it. God has given us this day to increase his glory. He's going to send us out there in a few minutes to take what we've been given and use it. Some of you are going to get to speak. Some of you are going to get to serve. Some of you are going to get to give. Some of you are going to get get to act all for the same purpose. To increase his glory. And we got two options. We can step up and be faithful. Or we can step back and be fearful. Two options. Now next, we go to the settle up. Settle up. In verses 19 to 30. So after a long time, the master comes back and he wants to settle things up with his servants. So the first servant came and he reports to his master what he did. Master, you gave me five and I went and traded them. I made five more. Master couldn't be happier. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with little. I'm going to put you in charge of much. Enter your master's joy. Second guy comes, gives his report. Gave me two talents, I've doubled it. Same treatment from the master. Well done, good and faithful servant. Didn't have to make ten. Got the same, well done. Going to put you in charge of much. Enter your master's joy. Both of those guys got the reward for their faithful use of the master's property. Now the third servant, he comes and he immediately starts with an excuse, an excuse for his actions. Master, I was afraid of you because I know you to be a hard man, an unjust man, an unfair man. So I buried what you gave me to keep it safe. Here it is. Now the master is offended at the servant's words. He calls him, you wicked, lazy servant. So you think you know me? Hard, unjust, and unfair, Really? I mean, if that were really true, wouldn't you have just taken it and put it in the bank? Earned some interest? Such is life, he says. For the one who has will get more, and the one who doesn't is going to lose it all. Throw that servant in the outer darkness where there is extreme regret. So that's the settle up. So some takeaways here of what happened to these servants that will help us during the time of the dash. The, fir- the first 
First thing is this settle-up day, the settle-up day, it's a real day. It's a real day on God's calendar. And most people don't even believe in it anymore. If they believe in the afterlife, they, they, they don't believe in this day. They believe that death is the doorway to heaven. Yeah, that you just go from here to a better place. And that's what happens. And this is where we need to remember that this parable isn't standing alone. It's connected to the one before it and after it. So last week, let me rewind. Last week, uh, we ended with this question to help you be ready for Jesus when he comes. And that question was, will he know me? Will he know me? So those five virgins who were at the wedding, they showed up at the wedding party late. The groom said, hey, you have to go away. I don't know you. So that, that was representative of Jesus. When he comes back, he's going to have the wedding supper of the lamb. And to get in, he's got to know you. And if he doesn't know you, it means you don't have a relationship with him. And you don't have a relationship with him, that means you don't have faith in him. And faith comes by trusting in Jesus who he is, the son of the living God, how he came, lived a perfect life, sinless life, and then he died on a cross to take our death, take on our sin, to provide forgiveness for us so we could be made right with God and have a relationship with him, that he was buried, that he rose from the grave, and that by believing in him, by putting our life in his hands, then we too have hope that we will rise from the grave, that death will not defeat us. That's what we're believing in. That is how you know Jesus. That is the beginning of the relationship. And then every single day, you are living that life with him. The gospel is not the end. It is the beginning of eternal life. Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes heaven? Judgment. It's a word we don't like. Judgment. So, judgment in the Bible is places where it talks about it, and it's kind of got some tentacles to it. So I'm gonna maybe I I don't know. Yeah, I need to. I want. I thought all this was important. So here, here you go. Um, so the first judgment that we will face is not a is not an explicit judgment in the Bible, but it's it's called a judgment of our faith. Whether or not we knew Jesus. And then the second judgment that we will face is a judgment of our works. And that will happen when Jesus returns. And that's what this parable of the talents is describing. Judgment of works. And so when you bring the parable before it, they didn't get into the wedding supper of the Lamb because Jesus didn't know them. That's a Judgment of faith. And then here they're cast into outer darkness because they didn't have the works. That's a judgment of works. And the two go together. And this should, this should bring up some things, bring, bring back some things from James chapter 2 when he was arguing about what a living faith is and what a dead faith is. He says in James chapter 2, verse 14, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but do not show it by your actions? Can that faith can that kind of faith save anyone? In verse 17, it says, For by faith itself, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. 
in verse 18, show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Now, I'm kind of cherry-picking in James' argument there in, in James chapter 2. You should go home and, and read it, refresh your memory, or, or, or read it for the first time. I don't know. But here's what he's saying. He's saying that good works are a natural outcome of our genuine faith. Good works are a natural outcome of our genuine faith. It is by our faith in Jesus that we receive eternal life. It is by our good works for Jesus that we receive eternal rewards. So huge to understand. So huge. Now that second judgment of works is described, described in this parable. That's what the settling up day is. That's the day that we will give an account to God for our life. That's actually going to happen in two locations, depending on, how you, on what happened during the judgment of faith. There's a place for believers to go through the judgment of works, and there's a place for unbelievers to go through the judgment of works. One, we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ, believers. The other, will stand before the great white throne of God. Both of these judgments based on works people have done in their life. But one of those judgments, one of those locations is all going to lead to reward. The other one is all going to lead to regret. 2 Corinthians 5, 9 and 10. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please him. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. This is the judgment seat of Christ for believers that's being described there. So your sins are forgiven. You've got this forever place with Jesus waiting for you because you trusted in him, you know, while you were alive. This judgment seat will determine what rewards you get in heaven. And so every single person standing in this line is going to be clinging to a cross feeling like they're unworthy to stand in this line. And when we get to that front of the line and Jesus is there, we'll bow our heads, we'll bow our knee in humility and gratitude for all he has done in our life and as he goes over our life. And I, some of that I'm, I'm not looking forward to, to hear about my sins and to hear about my mistakes and messes and missed opportunities. It will be difficult. But there will also be surprise when we hear about the good things that came out of our life that we had no idea happened. See, when your good works are for God and not for you, you tend to forget them. Why? Because you have lived your life forgetting what is past, straining on toward what is ahead, pressing on toward the goal to see Christ Jesus, to hear good and faithful servant. That is all you care about. And that's coming, if you know him. Now, rewards in heaven, they can seem kind of pointless. I mean, who cares, like, if we have one jewel? In the crown or ten, or ten crowns or one. Or if we got a shack on the edge of heaven or a mansion next to Jesus. I mean, we're in heaven. And we, we got Christ, right? 
Well, actually, you know, we don't really care. They, they are not what we are motivated by. We are motivated by his face, by his voice, by him. Goodness, I mean, that is what I'm living for. But what we do care about is what those rewards represent. They are given to us based on the stepping up that we did to increase the glory of God while we were here. And that we should care very much about. So the rewards that Jesus will give us will be a consummation of all that God did through us when we said yes to him. And you know what it's like to say yes to God, right? I mean, you're stepping out in faith. There's sacrifice involved. There's tears. There's, there's worry. <laughs> it's not easy. It's not easy to surrender all. And so we get these rewards and we'll be able to see them. We'll be able to experience them. And they will be eternally satisfying forever. And that is why they are important. They are real. They are for the believer. And they are coming. Coming. Now for the unbeliever, there will be real regrets. Real regrets. The judgment of works... You know what regret is, right? You know, it's where you look back and you wish you would have done something or you wish you wouldn't have done something. You know, like, I really wish I wouldn't have eaten that pica de gallo on Monday. That's a regret. (laughs) Revelation 20. Verses 11 and 12. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. Now, in this line, so this is the line for people who didn't pass the judgment of faith test. The line that Jesus said, I don't know you. Some of the people standing in that line, they're going to be clinging to their resume. Their resume of good works to show God why they should be led into heaven. You know, Jesus said in Mark 12 that we would be held accountable for every careless word. That we say. I mean, imagine that. I mean, I can't even remember what I said. There's absolutely no good works resume that's going to be good enough to make up for just the wrong things that we say, let alone the things that we think and the things that our body carries out. There would be absolutely no way. And it's awful to think about this, but most of the people in the world are working on their works resume. They have trusted in leaders who have a belief system that is telling them how to get to heaven. Take these steps to get to heaven. No promises, no guarantees, but this is what we think. That's most of the people in the world. They're working on this resume. And it's all in order to get past this throne, whether they believe in it or not, and 
the awful news is not a single person is going to make it. They're all going to end up with regret. Now, some of the people in this line, they aren't going to have near the resume that others do. And so they're going to come in this line clinging to their excuses. Their excuses. Blaming God for their disbelief and their disobedience. My life was just so hard. If I'd have had more money, if I would have had more time, if I would have heard the gospel, I just didn't understand. I wasn't a reader. If you would have showed me you were real, if I hadn't been hurt, I tried you and you didn't come through for me. People will say whatever they have to say to justify why they did what they did and they will never take responsibility for their actions. And you see it today. There's an unfortunate example of this in our headlines today. Track star, Shy Carrie Richardson. You know, she was, uh, she won the Olympic trials. She was considered the favorite to go to Tokyo and win the 100-meter dash, get the gold medal for the USA. But she turned up positive for marijuana. And she was suspended for a month, and now she's not going. They interviewed her on the news. Well, she, she said that the reason that she was using marijuana was because her mother had just died, and she was coping with that. That's how she was coping. She was on the news, and she said this, Don't judge me. I'm only human like you are. I just run a little faster. That's sad. Now, there's all kinds of public outcry about this. I'm sure you've heard it. The sports world's all up in arms, you know, the social media world. It's unfair. It's not right. It's just pot. It's not performance enhancing. She's grieving. Give this girl a break and let her run. Maybe they should. I don't know. But isn't that exactly the attitude of the third servant? It's something, somebody else's fault, some other reason that I did what I did. And I should not be held accountable. And people are going to stand in front of God and share their excuses. But listen, <laughs> the rules are the rules. And they said, I'll take my chances with the man upstairs. I believe he'll be fair. He will. The rules are not secret. And every single one of them will be held accountable for their lives and how they lived. And every single one of them are going to be led to eternal regrets. Being separated from God. Thrown into the lake of fire. 
with no way to get out. Sobering. So the Lord thought I had to have food poison to tell you all about this. Let's have our worship team come back up. That is the parable of the talents. And like all of Jesus' stories, it is meant to cause us to say, so what? What is the point? So what we want to do is let it flash our, eye, our life before our eyes. We have been given life by God. We've been set up by God with resources and a personality and abilities to increase his glory in all the earth. A settle-up day is coming. A day when we will give an account for our life. It will be filled with rewards and regret. Look at the days of the stepping up to help you determine how the settle-up day is going to go. When you think about your life here and why you're living does bringing the glory to God through all you do and say run right through the core of your life? Are the good things that you are doing for others, are they building your resume or are they building God's resume? You know, ask yourself, why do I do what I do? And if Jesus doesn't come up in the answer, then you've got to ask yourself another question. What is he really to me? That is the most important question you can answer today. Listen, the death date on your tombstone is still blank. Today. Tomorrow, it may not be. We are not guaranteed tomorrow. die, your faith is going to be judged. Will Jesus know you? Will he know you? You know, the Bible says, absent from the body, present with the Lord. That is the experience of people who have believed in Jesus. We're going to close our eyes on this world, and we're going to open them, and Jesus will be right there. If you don't know him, you will experience what Jesus described. You'll be put in a place of anguish, eternal anguish, outer darkness, and no hope of getting to the light, eternal regrets. This isn't a fairy tale. I, I don't know. They say people don't even believe in hell. I don't really talk about it that much, I don't think. I'm not really wanting to scare you into heaven. I don't believe that'll be a good salvation anyway. You know, when I was 11 years old, I said, if, if Jesus is a way to stay out of hell, then Jesus is for me. But I never was for Jesus. So it doesn't really lead there. Today, today, salvation. Today is the day. Don't wait for tomorrow to believe in him. Don't wait. You may not have tomorrow. He died to forgive you of your sins. He wiped, he, he wiped them away. Trust in His work on the cross. 
believe that a man, the Son of God, walked out of his grave. And that same power will come into your life. Today, he'll change you. You'll be born again. You're not going to have to jump through hoops. You're not going to have to do penance. You're not going to have to do any of that. You're not going to get a slap on her wrist for the way you've been 